Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, welcome. Uh, Jimmy Westbrook, one of the guys in Little Big Town, he actually quit doing music for a long time and then got a call. I was like, hey, you want to join this group? Or you want to talk about a group? So he talks about that here. It's a pretty cool story. He's also the final puzzle piece in this because over the last five or six years, yeah. one by one, we have gathered the Little Big Town tokens and now we, we have them all. Um, so it's pretty cool. He's also got one non-negotiable while on tour. He's like, I'm not a diva, but this is the one thing I got to have. And I felt that. Although I am a diva, so I felt that. Uh, yeah, they got a new song out. I won't say the title of it here or ever. And I talk about that. Yeah. So what'd you learn from this? Uh, whenever he talked about quitting music, the thing that his girlfriend at the time didn't know about him was insane. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, how did she not like know how? that? Yeah, it's interesting. And then the fact that we had never sat with him one I've never sat with him one-on-one ever my whole life. I've been with them a lot or two of them or three of them, but never just Jimmy and I. And he's like a tatted up cool dude when he's by himself. Very he kind of cool. gets lost in the shuffle as like the good looking guy. Because him and Philip are both good looking, but Philip's got the long hair. He's like the rebel guy. You know, he's like the, the bad boy because yeah. he's got the long hair. I, I don't even know if he's a bad boy, but <laughs> and the, Jimmy's like all tatted up and I don't know, just a little grittier in person, which is pretty cool. So you didn't think so? No, I got that too. Yeah. Um, enjoyed it. I hope you check it out. Him and Karen, the, we'll call it the elite. The lead, we'll call it the lead vocalist. Um, they've been married for 12 years. They got a son who's 12 now. And I hope you enjoy this, because I did. This is Jimmy from Little Big Town. Here you go. I was just talking with uh, Jaron from Cadillac 3. Yes. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, uh, I saw a picture with you. And you didn't have, he didn't have a shirt on. You may not have had a shirt on. <laughs> I think I did have my shirt on. <laughs> and I think. I try not to do that too often. <laughs> yeah, I think all you guys were on a pool. And he said, uh, uh he said it was like nine in the morning or something. You guys were in a pool having margaritas. Is that story accurate? <laughs> it is accurate. Well, I didn't get up that early, so I wasn't there at nine. But that venue, which we played a, a bunch, and uh, this time when we showed up, yeah, they put a pool in, which I think is genius. In the venue? It, and yeah, at, at the back of the venue, right outside of uh, catering. They, I don't know what used to be there, but yeah, they put in a nice pool, so... About 11, 12 o'clock, most everybody on the tour was out there, and oh my God, by the time the show rolled around. That's what I asked him. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, if you're- It was a shit show, bro. If you're starting that early, like how, do you take four hours uh, to just kind of recuperate? And he was like, no. <laughs> no. We kind of rolled right into the show. He said, and maybe it's Let It Be. Do you guys do Let It Be as an encore? Mm-hmm. He said what he remembers about Let It Be was, because you know, they play- and then he has to come, you guys come back mm-hmm. at the end. And he's like, Sometimes my mirror. He's like, <laughs> You know what? It, the melody was there, but the words weren't there. <laughs> it happens. Man, we had such a, that was a great day, though. 
That was a lot of fun. We we all got to hang out, and, and we've been having a blast on the tour anyway. But that was a a little extra that day. <laughs> Do you guys find now that you're you're touring and you're not 22 that you can? I don't know what. Do you feel like you can relax a little more because you have success? Do you, like, can you do things? Because also, if you're 22, maybe you're doing that being reckless. But now you're doing that because you kind of understand <laughs> where you. I don't. Is there a difference now as Little Big Town is the, as when you guys were 25, 30 years old when you tour? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think naturally. Um, yeah, I I think we are. I don't really get nervous or any of that before a show anymore especially just our regular live shows we're really comfortable we've been doing it for a dang long time now and um it's it's definitely changed you know when um when you're younger you feel like you're really just fighting all the time like just to um be somebody yeah (laughs) be uh you know and especially like some of the slots you play when you're younger it's a lot earlier you're getting out there and it's literally like you're fighting for their attention. So it's, you know, it's a little more focused. But, I mean, that's never curbed our <laughs> enjoyment of, uh, <laughs> you know, hanging out and having a good time. That's, it, that's all part as, of it. Aside from the having a good time, but let's say somebody, one of you four, is not feeling good. It's not because yeah. of that. It's just a general, because yeah. uh, this will happen on our show. We have a, a similar dynamic where there's, mm-hmm. you know, four or five of us. Yep. And we can pretty easily cover without anyone knowing that the person needs covered for. Yeah. Is that situational? Can all four of you guys be covered for? If you show up and able to do a little, can you guys cover without anyone really noticing? Yeah. I mean, I will say that that feels like um, an advantage of having more people. Um, You know, we've had some really – we have only played a couple of shows without one of us. You mean just not there at all? Yeah. Okay. Um, one, we dropped Kimberly off on the side of the road to have a baby in Phoenix and uh, continued on to our next stop. And then there have been a couple of times when Karen had a migraine that we had to go and play without her, which if you think about that, it's, it was a little different. Back then, we didn't have as many hits, so nobody really <laughs> cared <laughs> either way. Um, but... Um, it, it is, we can spread it around. It's, a um, especially if we, uh, you know, know a little bit in advance, we can get together and move parts around. You know, we've, we've gone and like, okay, I'm covering Karen's parts on this. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's an advantage, especially in those moments when you can't help that as much, especially as we were touring, there was, um, the year that boondocks came out, we we played 250 shows that year. That's just shows. That's not travel days. That's not TV. That's not. So um, you get ragged out. You know, your vocals. We sing a lot. <laughs> if uh, Karen's down as, and, and I'm just going to call her, and I'm not sure what the roles are, but I feel like she sings in the more of the songs that we hear on the yes. radio. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have a term. It's a, it's a very equal group, which is odd for me to say <laughs> lead vocalist, but for the yeah. sake of this, I'm going to call her that. Yes, I'm absolutely. Not. If she goes down, can Kimberly sing? Is she ready to sing all those parts? And do you have to change keys of anything? <laughs> we haven't had to go that far. Yet. Really? Um, I, the, the one, the couple of instances where Karen, like I said, that was early on. It, we didn't have the big hits that Karen has, you know, carried. Um, so we have, I, she could, she absolutely could. Um, their range is a lot different, so it, it would be different. I, I might have to end up covering some of Karen's, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You know, you, uh, do what you got to, but yeah, she could totally do that. So, uh, and I want to get to some of your live stuff in a minute, but mm-hmm. I was just looking at the new single, which you, you're, you're the, you're the guy, you're the main, aren't you the lead vocalist? On That's this? Philip. On hell yeah. Okay, I knew it was a dude. <laughs> and I don't and, and Philip's got the big husky, thick, sounds like he smoked a pack of cigarettes voice. I'm a little more in Karen's mid range. I kinda bridge the gap between the bottom part and Karen's middle. Yeah, you're part. talking too smart for me at this point. You're, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're, uh, you're inside baseball. <laughs> well, I mean I can act like I know about that, but I don't. Uh let's play Mike, can we play a little bit of the yep. the new song here? 
Conscious decision to put Philip as the lead on that song and then make it a single, or does it does it think does the whole package come together and then you decide? The the song came together first. It was um, we always try to approach the songs um, who it fits best, who who tells the story the best. So that's that's kind of how that came about. Him singing it, uh, and then later on it became single choice whenever you write that because you wrote that with tyler hubbard from mm-hmm. fgl and cory crowder okay so you write the song are you writing it as a little big town song and then two is he is philip singing the song on like the demo or was it later philip you be like what's that so actually we when we wrote that song that day i think actually Corey sang the demo for it um that's just kind of the way it went down when we were hanging out writing it um uh, yeah and it was yeah i think anytime you get in the room with people that are writing with you most of the time it's you're trying to aim for something for yourself um and i I do feel like that was the intention that day um to write a song for us um we had also at one point talked about um maybe one of them jumping in on it but that kind of the time we wrote that song actually probably almost three years ago now um, was that so, pre-pandemic or in pandemic? That was pre-pandemic. Really? Yeah. And I guess you had to sit on a lot of. It was probably a a strategy you had to decide: do we just hold on stuff that we're really passionate about because we don't know what's going on, or do we put stuff out that's real good because maybe it'll cut through and nothing? I mean, that's a kind of a decision everybody creative had to make. Yeah. Um, actually, though, how that kind of worked out is that we cut so many songs for that last record. We actually cut this song for that record and um didn't really feel like it fit um so that's the kind of thing that when uh, we came back around for this record and we were starting to try to find the sequencing and and which songs were going to actually make the record that one kind of popped back up because we always loved it and thought it sounded like a hit and that hook i just Corey, that was Corey's hook idea and i just thought it was brilliant um twist on it so we always loved it and then it just kind of came back around again one of the things for me that i prioritized and at times uh, i get judged for it is that if it's a saturday and i'm shooting a tv show we, we shot my whole nat geo show on, on saturdays and i always almost beyonce like had to watch the razorback games like it, <laughs> and it was and there were a couple times they couldn't make it happen because we're shooting in this one specific location at a time where we can only get this person, but I still had it up. Like It just was a non-negotiable for me. Yes. And there are only a couple non-negotiables in my life, period. And it's if there's a game, a Razorback game on, a football game on Saturday, I, I have to watch it. And so from what I hear is that you're also not an Arkansas fan, but a big Alabama fan. Same way with you? I'm not a diva about anything really except on saturdays if i wake up and my bus doesn't have wi-fi or a signal to the satellite i'm like i'm sorry you're gonna have to move the bus and i it's non-negotiable yeah. i'm like and and it's known about you beforehand yeah, yeah. It, it's I, just that's, a known that's, that's always yes. what i end up saying i was like we kind of know this <laughs> I, I try to not be too much but yeah i definitely and you'll look back at when we're at soundcheck, if a game is on, my iPad is right there. I mean, I've I done, love it. I've done shows before, like a, a comedy show, and then I'm on, but the game is going later. Then I, I will send out the tour manager on to the opener who's playing and go, "Hey, uh, can you play another 25? Because <laughs> because and nice. not not only that, uh, he'll pay you double, and I'll make sure they know that. <laughs> I haven't pulled that one yet. And there, I mean, but you have three other people. <laughs> but there have been times more, more. And we had a uh, like a meet and greet last year at a festival I put on in Austin, and they understood. I was getting tweets from people going, "Hey, no, you're not coming out at this meet and greet for at least another twenty minutes because <laughs> the game is still on." So when that, oh, I love it. When that happened, and it's not me being a douche for no reason. Everyone just know, right? It's understood, yeah. so it doesn't. Yeah. No I one's don't surprised. Ask for much. Yeah. <laughs> 
Just give him my football games. What was that like for you as a kid? I assume that that was somehow instilled into you that the Alabama football was, was uh, a big part of your life. so huge. And I'll say, we have Arkansas fans in our family that are just the same as you. They yeah. love Arkansas. I, I love Arkansas, too, unless they're playing us. But, um, yeah, yeah. My In my house, I have so many memories of watching games with my dad and my brother, who's quite a bit older than I am. Um, but it was a big deal in our house and we watch games and it's loud and there's emotional hugs and jumping up and running around the house. And Did you, <laughs> it's fun though, man. I, it's I, such a, it comes from such a good place. I wonder, you talk about it with such a family thing. Do you think, and, and I can give you my story too, but why is it so important? Is it because that that was such a bonding thing between you and your dad? Like, and maybe that is still there for you. Because mine is, I didn't have a family for a lot of my life, but the one consistent thing that was there for me always on a Saturday or on a Tuesday or if the basketball team, they, they, that was always there. Yeah, That was something I could attach myself to, have a bit of an identity, and it was always there. And I could understand it being how I felt, or I could also understand if someone's dad loved it so much that that, even if it's, if you don't think it, and like, I just love it because my dad, maybe that's a reason you, you felt it early and you've held on to it. Oh, yeah. I think definitely all of that. Um, it felt like tradition in a way. I'm a super sentimental guy. I attach to things like that in that way. Um, so I'm sure that plays a big part of it. Um, and then just my love for college football, which is changing in some ways a little bit. It, uh, I, I understand it and I'm for it, but. The, the heart of college football, um, what I feel like the kids are playing for, that pride that you can only get kind of in that arena of college football, um, I love. It's a, it just feels a little deeper, you know. But I love all sports, all professional, all of it. I you, just like sports in general. Your dad, your brother, you mentioned that tri- – your brother older mm-hmm. or younger? Was he older or younger? He's older. He's, yeah, he's, qu- he's 25 years older than I am. Wow, he's a lot. I, I don't know if that's the exact number, but yes, right, yeah, yeah. Were you the last kid? I'm the baby of six, and the closest sibling to me was ten years. Wow, I only lived with one of my siblings. So you know them as obviously brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. but not like a, a, a traditional. We live down the hall, brother and sister. Well, we exactly not in that way, but we're all super close. My, um, you know, we grew up in a little town, a couple thousand people. There, um, they were all there except for my brother who was in Arkansas <clears throat> until he was in his thirties and then moved to Alabama. Um, so yeah, I didn't have that kind of relationship with them, but I was also, I grew up with their kids. So there was kind of a almost parental to like, especially my oldest, older sister, Sandy. I stayed with her a lot. <clears throat> were you ever her an daughter. uncle to somebody older than you? I am an uncle to someone seven months younger than I am. <laughs> That's funny. She lives in Arkansas in Cabot. I mean, that sounds like some Arkansas stuff there, though, too. Like, like, <laughs> so, uh, the name of your town that you grew up in was what? Summiton. And S-U-M-I-T-O-N. What, what's Summiton known for? Uh, it was a coal mining town back in the day. Um, a lot of my family from uh, my dad's side of the family were coal miners. Had some tragedies in our family because of the coal mines. Um, so <clears throat> it was a coal mining community. Of course, that kind of died off. Um, it's just a, a little wide spot in the road between uh, Birmingham on your way to Memphis, you know. Similar, I'm from a town called Mountain Pine, Arkansas, where we were a sawmill town. Mm. And the whole town was built on the sawmill. Yeah. And everywhere you went, you know, there were people, and, and this isn't funny or sad, but it was just, there were just people with missing arms and hands <laughs> and fingers right. and from the sawmill. That's part of it. Yes. And, yeah. and I just remember it not being sad, but I'd be like, oh, Jimmy doesn't have a left arm because right. he would work at the mill for yeah. all of his life. Yeah. But when that mill went away in a town that was already impoverished, mm-hmm. it's really rough in yeah. my hometown now yeah. because there's just – you don't go there now for any reason. There, when the mill was there, people would move there to work at the mill. Right. But there's no reason to move to Mountain Pine anymore. Right. And so when you've had this economic hub for so long and then you don't, that can really cripple a town. 
with the mi- the coal mine being gone, mm-hmm. is that sort of what happened to your town, or did they find a new? Um, you know, it when I was growing up, of course it it wasn't a thing. I mean, there were still a couple of coal mines and and that were functioning at that time, but it had kind of gotten away from around being centered around that. Uh, I remember, I, I remember I felt like it was thriving when I was a kid. It has changed a lot now. Um, I think a lot of people have moved towards Birmingham a little more and, um, but they're, they've really, um, seen kind of a resurgence here in the past year or two where I feel like it's coming back around closer to what it used to be when when I was there but it has changed a lot Do you uh, and my family's been there a long time still yeah yeah mo- I mean some my, I live on Westbrook Street <laughs> that's <laughs> that, funny that my family always lived there you know that's they were all there this festival and concert season will be all about the boots and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight. And just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Do you feel like you juggle or have to balance the life of, we'll call it rock star life and dad life? <laughs> can you can that be the same or is it you kind of have to check into a character at some point <laughs> of of one of the how how do you do that um it is a balance and i think um as my son gets a little older <clears throat> it's a little a little different but i mean you know i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty much the same guy on and off, <laughs> I'm, I'm still goofy dad. That's, you know, 
Is that what he like. would say about you? Your your goofy dad? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Loving, you know, you're loving ne- goofy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like silly. I'm so I'm just silly kid. With your job, which is abnormal as as both of ours are in our own individual ways, mm-hmm. um, in a couple of ways. One, you are very front facing. You are in the you're in the public eye. You are receiving praise. You're receiving criticism from people mm-hmm. you don't do not know. Uh, what are those conversations like with a kid? Because you're starting to get older now. It's crazy to watch him grow. Yeah, I know. And he he is becoming more aware of of things like that. Um, you know, he we're just not a big deal, so he does. It's <laughs> not. A, I mean, I know he he. I, I I will say this: like in the past few couple of years, I think he's um, become a lot more aware of. I don't want to say the competition but kind of you know like the, the the funny thing that i think about is like he a couple of years ago was watching an award show and we lost and he was so mad <laughs> old dominion he was so mad i got home and he was like i hate those guys i was like buddy it's it's not a big deal we're okay <laughs> we've won the awards we're good when you were his age talk about you mm-hmm. and what and again, how how old is he now? He's twelve. Holy crap! Just he's getting yeah. so it's big. crazy. Yeah. He looks like he's older than that. So so you're so. twelve. Where are you at twelve? What do you want to be? What's what's uh, happening with the, the family? Like the, what's going on? The complete difference between his twelve year old and mine is just it blows my mind. And it's a little bit of a, I'm trying to wrap my head around it because it is so different. But um, I was not nearly as smart as he is or aware of the world um everything that goes on i was a a very sheltered (laughs) um you know i lived i lived in my little town and it's a very conservative community that is really my whole existence growing up revolved around my church um there's 2,000 people in my town, and a 1,000 of them went to the church I went to. So you're kind of in this little fishbowl. Um, my uh, my family was is very conservative, so it was um, – I had a way different life. And like I said, I kind of – when I think back to myself at that age, I was not nearly aware of, of life in general as, as my kid is. What about – dream wise like what are you what you're 12 what do you want to be when you grow up i i wrote my first song when i was 12 and i sang my first solo when i was 12 that was that began my love affair with music where did you find that you could do music was it in church it was in church yeah definitely so was it a lot of hymns was it did you have a church because i went to a southern baptist church but we still had incorporated some newish school stuff. It wasn't mm-hmm. all old school hymns, like a lot. Yeah, no, we, my, the amazing thing, and I think the reason I love music so much, because um, my church had a youth choir of about 200 kids, and we would take summer trips, travel, go and sing all over the country. Um, and uh, so I, you know, that's that's really where I, cut my teeth and fell in love with music but they my church had full horn section um multiple guitars drum it was it was a big production the music part of it we had really super talented people at our church uh instrumentally vocally everything wow how it was great, a big how great deal. to see that right? yeah I mean, oh it yeah it it absolutely set me on the path of i i remember sitting uh with my choir director and just dreaming about being on stage and singing i knew that's what i wanted to do from the first time i sang a solo your parents at all musical your dad musical brother uh my my mom uh sings her whole family is super musical uh we would go to to um family reunions and they would break out the amps and the keyboards and my uh my uncle jim was a fantastic piano player um, my dad could sing. He did, he wasn't really that. His side of the family wasn't really big into music. Uh, not as much as my mom's side. But so you're 12. everyone around me sang. My sister sang. Yeah, church. Everybody. I mean, there's yep. you get to see with your own eyes examples of people playing instruments. And, yeah. And the, uh, the church that we go down to down here, they are they're really really good. It's unbelievable to yeah. me. <laughs> they're like as good as the people that come in the studio. Sometimes. Yeah. Right. 
And so I, I would imagine being a kid and seeing this, it, it allows you to know that that can be attained. Yeah. Just that, even to see that is, would be great for a small town kid. I just assume and, and feel like we grew up in a similar place and there's not a lot of, well, a lot that you're exposed to being in a right. small town. Yeah. So to be musical and see that around you, I think would be just so fantastic. But you go and you talk to your, your choir director and you say, hey, I, I want to do music. How long until you actually get to do something in the church where people see you as you, like solo or play or something? It was, yeah, I think it was in those early um, instances of me stepping out for the first time with the choir, taking solos. You know, we had big musical productions that we did for Christmas, and I would have featured parts that I felt like I was being seen for the first time in a way, you know? Were you you, advanced as a kid? Were you an advanced singer and that you kind of had control of it before a lot of other kids did? Yeah, I did. It felt very natural to me, and um, I felt like I could connect with people when I sang. That was what really attracted me. What do you mean by that? You could connect with people. You're well, 14. I just, How are you connecting? Well, I just, I know, I think I know, and this is all, of course, hindsight, but I think back and I think that um, I saw when I sang, people were moved by it. Um, you know, whatever I felt like that was, I, I was like, oh, I, I think this matters. You know, and I think that's what attracted me to it. Just seeing how people connected with me when I was doing something like that. So you sing at church, but when did you go? This is what I want to do for my, my pay my rent, eat my <laughs> food. It's because it's a different commitment. Yeah, and you know, I didn't. I feel like most of the time, I it was all always just showing up at anything that I could do like whether it was singing at a wedding or a funeral or wherever, that's really probably the first money I made singing was singing at weddings. And, um, but, you know, I never really did anything that made any kind of money at that time. I, my, I, I knew that I wanted to, to be in music in some way. I had no idea what that was going to look like. I think probably at first I figured it would be in the church realm um, I sang in gospel groups at at some at some points. Did you listen to secular music at all when you were? Um, I did, but I'm a lot later on some of the the classic music that I love now. I was a lot later coming into those kinds of things. So you were really, and I didn't really get into. Um, you know, I listened to there. My main exposure to different kinds of music was um, because of my siblings and my mom and dad they had there was this box of records in in one of our closets that had Stevie Wonder it had Elton John um it had um uh Dallas Davidson uh Christian music there was Alabama records there was this eclectic box of music that I would put on the 45s or whatever and listen to um that really kind of exposed me to other things but a lot of times it was christian music or country music um you know whatever eight tracks my parents were listening to um don williams is a is a big memory for me of country music at that time um but i did sing and listen to a lot of gospel music and i listened to country music but there was a period of time kind of in my late teens that i didn't so there's like a span of country era that I really didn't I kind of lost out on it but just because I kind of found other stuff you know I, I was really into rock stuff you know it's funny you, you mentioned like the gap because I was raised hardcore on country music and got and even some of the gospel stuff because my grandmother raised me right mm-hmm. and so she had a lot of pride of people from Arkansas so it was obviously uh, Johnny Cash you know a lot and then the gospel stuff uh Andy Griffith, which is odd because I knew him as a singer before I knew him as Andy Griffith's show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but there was a time because growing up, for me in the 90s when Napster came out and digital music was allowed, and I missed on like that late, I guess we were like 2001 to like 2008. Mm-hmm. That's an empty period 
for me to like know I know it now because one I know a lot of people that made music then and I just kind of recheck in. Mm-hmm. But I, I there's a big gap for me there. I remember once I was watching wonder what show it was and you guys were on doing maybe tornado. It was I'm going to come back to it. But you guys were on and I was like, "Oh, look at these four four fine looking folks here. They like they seem nice." <laughs> and cuz Tornado was was that one of the early ones? Early-ish? Uh, that they, was like that was second the, hit. That was the big hit. Um maybe it was Yes. We we had two hits. <laughs> There's some big gaps in our We had Boondocks was 2005. Bring it on home 2006. And then we didn't have another radio hit until 2010, which was Little White Church. And then the Tornado record was after that. So the, that was Pontoon was on that record. And, of course, that was the biggest. Um, and maybe it was that. Maybe that, it was the record. But it was my first exposure to you guys. Yeah, and that was – we probably gained the biggest audience that we had ever had at that point with that record. It's Crook and Chase. It was the Crook and Chase TV show. Now that I remember <laughs> – Wow! It was the yes. I saw you guys on the Crook and Chase TV show, and I because I always loved Crook and Chase. I listened on the radio as mm-hmm. a kid, and I would just check back in occasionally. And I saw you guys, and I thought, "Wow, look at all they're all four good looking. What kind of group is this? Where's the ugly one?" I remember thinking, "Like, there's got to be at least one ugly one. They hide somewhere." And that wasn't the case. And then, then is about when I rechecked back in, just a couple years before I came to mm-hmm. Nashville. I was kind of dial back in but it's funny i've never thought about the gap before until you said that mine was in the 90s when it was the biggest heyday of country music i mean you know i knew of those artists at that time you know surface level but i wasn't really listening to it a lot then it was more rock and yeah when it was hip-hop and alternative yeah Yeah. absolutely (laughs) like the joe nichols ish era the beginning of that i don't know i know all the songs now yeah right but i don't you know broken heartsville didn't know it when it was live listen to it now This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. 
So that's why we do this, to take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. When did you move to Nashville? What age? Uh, I moved in 99 when we started. We, you mean? Uh, did I say we? You said we. we. Moved? <laughs> well, because I moved with a buddy. Okay. Uh, I didn't even know I said that, but yes. I moved in uh, 99. So we had been, I, I was working in Birmingham. Doing? I was making copies. <laughs> I was a copy guy. Um I had actually started on the night shift. I worked the the third shift, night shift, at this little company in downtown Birmingham. And then kind of worked my way up to sales rep where I had actual lawyer clients and that I serviced for their legal documents and such. Um, but I had done that for a couple of years, and I was so – I was like, I've got to get back to music. I mean, it sounds like 99, though, you were in your, 20, your early 20s, and so and you had pursued a profession, even though it wasn't there for, fulfillment-wise, you had pursued a professional job. Yeah, I was paying off bills from prior musical <laughs> failures. Were you still <laughs> I sing- put it all on credit cards, so I had to pay it off. Were you still singing? Uh, a little here and there, but not a lot. In fact, the girl I was dating at the time and had been dating for a long time had no idea I could sing, and that's all I'd done prior to that time in my life but there was a couple of years where i was paying off credit card bills and working didn't really know what i was going to do and work my way up in this job and i decided internally i didn't even really tell anybody that i was like i've got to i've got to get back in music um i knew a guy that had just moved to nashville who was cousins with chuck cannon i don't know if you know chuck cannon he's a Incredible songwriter. It had some really huge hits back in the day. I love the way you love me. He wrote that. I was love his. the way you love me. me. Yeah. yeah. Um, he heard one of my Christian songs that I had written and wanted to talk to me. And that kind of, I was like, oh, wow. And I went and I went to his house and he had just one song of the year. I mean, I couldn't believe that he had taken an interest in something that I'd written. We had a conversation. It was I, it was terrible. I I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but he was very kind. And but that kind of sparked something in me that I I was like I've got to get back to singing again. So I decided, and probably two weeks after that, that I had mentally thought, okay, I'm done. I've got to figure out a way to move on. Karen called me and said, Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, Well, I'm working in Birmingham, but I just started doing some demos and I want to, I want to move to Nashville. Why would she call you? How does she know you? She, we knew each other, um, from when she was in her, the Christian group she was in. I knew of her in that. Um, (laughs) I filled in, this is crazy. I filled in a few weeks, um, in, in this Christian group. Um, one of their members quit and I filled in for maybe a couple of months. And Karen was on that tour opening up with the duet that she was in in Christian music. So I met her then. And then, so this was years after that. Did you guys ever have conversations, though, about doing some a collective or, or no. getting to Nashville even individually? Or No, we didn't really know each other that well. I mean, we would chit-chat, you know, hey, passing each other, and, but didn't really know each other that well. So um, there was a college group that I had sang in. One of the guys that was in that was in Nashville and was friends with Karen, and she was talking about doing this group with Kimberly and that they felt like they wanted to have some male voices. And Neil, is that's our friend, uh, actually said, hey, why don't you see what Jimmy's doing? He's, he's a gr- really good singer and you should check out and see what he's doing. So he kind of prompted her to call me. And so when she called, that's when I was like, wow, I actually kind of want to go to Nashville. She was like, well, come up and hang out with me and Kimberly and meet her and see what you think about this. 
And that's kind of how that all started. And, and the, the weird, the crazy weird thing is like still told nobody at my work that I had that conversation or anything. And about three or four weeks later, they offered me a transfer to Nashville wow. to open up a new branch. Did you do that? Company. I did. So, so you can so me a, and that's what me and my buddy mm. that worked at that place at the time moved here and opened up this copy place which you still work at and, which is really which, cool yeah you're still there every day monday through friday i'm there <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what struck me when you were talking is that you obviously love music you love to sing you spend a lot of time doing it but, but there for a while you just quit was what was the moment where you went all right either this isn't going to work out or i can't do it anymore because it sound, because that is big to go i just got to stop for a minute yeah i don't think it was that it wasn't that conscious. I wasn't that conscious of that move that I was. I wasn't saying. I'm you not never even doing... sang for your girlfriend. No. That, so, <laughs> so you could Isn't say, you know, it was a slow move, but that's drastic. It, I, it is, but it was just, you know, it's a matter of doing what you got to do. And I was so under student loans and all these credit card bills that I'd piled up in a in a band in college. Um, I was going under financially. I had no no way to pay that. And so it was, I just had to get a real job. So maybe it was less of you being like, screw it, I'm getting out of here, going to a real job, and more of, I'm going to have to do the practical thing and pay off these bills, and yes. eventually I can get back yes. to it. Yes. Got it. Yes. That, okay, that makes my heart feel better. About yeah. You, you didn't <laughs> yes. give up and be like, no, suck it, music. No, 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 no. It was a, that was a, a, a period in my life where I just had to figure out how to pay my bills, and which, you know, that happened again many times after that but um just trying to figure it out and survive <laughs> you, you come up you hang out with kimberly and karen uh there is no philip yet mm -hmm. uh, he hasn't even born yet in a little bit <laughs> <kind of> nice. <laughs> so what what's the vision because obviously they have some sort of vision for the group or the two of them with guy voices when mm -hmm. you get up here what's mm -hmm. the vision as described to you and was it appealing to you at first it was it was it was all harmony based um <clears throat> at that time we weren't sure that there was going to be a fourth we um the three of us sang together um i remember many nights sitting in kimberly's living room and working up songs and and um but it wasn't long after i came into the um whole process that it was it was a discussion that we were having like do we add one more vo voice for versatility and actually there was a a, a producer in town that was showing interest in what the three of us were talking about doing. Um, and he kind of solidified that, hey, maybe you should think about one more voice that gives you the possibility of one person singing, and then you have a triad behind them. Um, it gives you a lot of versatility. And that was about the time that we were like, okay, yeah, I think that's the right way to go. And there was a friend of Karen's that introduced us, introduced us to Philip at that time. I mean, for me, if I'm going through this, and we're like, okay, we have three. We're going to add another, but that's another. That, that. <laughs> we weren't even thinking about money, man. We didn't know that could even happen. <laughs> but, it, but it's like eventually, because again, yeah. I didn't make money for 15 years, so I know what it's like to struggle. But in my mind, I'm like, eventually, I'm going to make money. Like, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to get better at it. Before people yeah. splitting it, that is a, <laughs> it's, it's a bigger deal. That's a bigger deal. Uh did you guys audition people? Did you have people sing and not like an informal audition? Is that was that kind of the plan early? The three of us sang with Joe Don. That's the only person I sang with in the auditioning process. I think Kimberly and Karen actually did sing with Gary at one point. Um, but he didn't, he didn't have the chops. I knew. It. <laughs> I figured Lavox doesn't have the chops. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, but you know, it wasn't long. It wasn't. Probably a couple months later, I met Philip. I came up, drove up, and met him at a restaurant and hung out. Um, and we figured out that that felt like the right blend. When we all sang together, it felt right. And from that point on, it was it was going to go that way. When did you, not a year, but from that point where you meet Philip, when did you have to create the LLC or... The, that now it's an entity. Mm -hmm. Like we aren't just friends that are singing, making 40 bucks for mm -hmm. four of us to split. We're now going to pursue this 
And if we're going to pursue it, it's got to exist. So when did that happen? It was right, right around that same time. You I mean, it, it all happened like from the time that I said I was going to do this to the time we. Um, that was maybe at the end of '98 when we were having these conversations. I moved in February of '99. We were a four-person group, all the four existing members, and just a few months later had a record deal. So that was all super fast. Getting we, the record deal. I was... moved here in February, and we started. I, I remember I just opened up that branch of that company, and I was already going, hey, I'm not going to be able to come. We were going to go sing for some labels and that kind of thing. They, they were super. I was really upfront about all that when I moved. I'm like, I have this intention, so you're probably going to run into this issue with me. And so when it happened, they were... It's like Alabama football. They, I have an intention they, to watch the game. You're going to run into this issue. The bus is a park where I can get signal. Thinking ahead. Yes. It, uh, that's pretty quick to get a record deal. Yeah. I mean, we sang for six labels. Uh, we took a, one guitar. I didn't even really play guitar at that time. Um, took it in and sang live in front of all the record execs. And we got about five offers out of the six. Jeez. So I, if I'm you, I'm going, well, we're one step away from fame and fortune. Oh, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> when did you realize that that's not quite how it works? Well, we, um, we got our record deal. We, in fact, the, sign, the night we signed with Mercury Records, which lasted about four months maybe, um, we got a spot at the Opry to play. We only knew three songs. We played all of them. Um, and then they immediately whisked, whisked us away in a limo to the airport to go sing at the De La Hoya fight for the national anthem. And when we were getting picked up in limos at, at the airport in Vegas, I was like, oh, this is on. And then we lost our, we, well, we didn't, we walked away from that. It was a handshake walk away not many months after that. So it was quickly a, a like, oh. This this is not going how I thought it was going to go. Well, I'm going to ask you, and, and I'll have you expand on both of these, but the harshest reality once you get a deal, and then, mm. but then actually kind of the greatest fairy tale that because you've been able to experience both. I'll say that you guys are, in my mind, if I'm just uh, speaking of my thoughts and feelings here, which is often what I do, <laughs> like um, you guys have really worked. Everybody works hard. Mm -hmm. You guys have worked hard. And you've had a boom, big song. I like what you guys do, though. You try to push in different directions. Yeah. And at all times, it's not always, people aren't always receptive of new things. Mm -hmm. And I always admired that you guys continue to try that regardless. Yeah. And so you say there's a gap, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, probably a gap because people didn't understand what you guys were trying at the time, right? Right. Like, that's how I interpret You're not saying it. That's how I'm interpreting mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because I've been able to experience a lot of it, not beside you, but running in a parallel path. Yeah. So when I say harshest reality, biggest fairy tale, you've got to have them both. Let's yeah. start with the harshest reality of what it is that you do and, and what you've had to experience. Well, I mean, I think I immediately go to, to the time when I was just telling you that um, the Mercury deal started going awry. Um, How'd you know it was going awry? Did you feel it? Did something <laughs> it was made very we were made aware that it was we without going into too much of the the backside of of all that we we basically signed at mercury cut a few sides and when the powers that be at that time at mercury heard the sides that we did we cut about four songs um they basically said hey if if any of this is who you are, we're not interested. Oh, really? <laughs> they, they, they were just were not interested. Yeah. In and so uh, the harshest reality was, um, I think, in that moment, I remember them saying all of that um, and basically felt like we had an ultimatum. Like our, So I, I just remember going to the parking lot after that conversation and all of the, the four of us sitting in a car shell-shocked. I mean, we just signed our deal. We had did, you know, the De La Hoya fight. This is, 
And then all, all of a sudden now, that's about to be yanked out from under us. We're about to lose our record deal. But I'll tell you this. In that moment, and I think that was a pivotal moment for the band as far as what you're talking about of pushing and following our gut and our heart and where we musically want to go. We had that decision to make that day. And it was the hardest decision probably, oh, I know at that time that we've made. It was incredibly difficult because we were were sitting there having to ask ourselves, is any part of what we just presented them us? And it was. You know, some of the production might not have been quite the right direction, but we're still experimenting, trying to figure out who we are. But the harmony structures and all of that of what we presented was us. So we made the decision ourselves that we were going to walk away from it because if they're telling us that they don't want any of that, then we can't stay here. That's that's not going to be true that's, to ourselves. And and but it also set the the ground work for who we became as a band as far as living and dying by our own decisions. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Now, when I mentioned on the other side of that, like the grit, like it's so great, it's weird. Like they're, they're, you're like, wow, this is going so wonderfully that it feels like it's the dream. Because I'm lucky enough to get those moments too. I mean, where you're just like, I can't, yeah. I can't believe it's happening. I feel like I have so many of those moments. But um, it's always, to me, the unexpected, unbelievable moments like collaborations that you do with people. Or the the being asked to be an Opry member. It's the things that you didn't even take the time to dream up because you're like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Um, it's kind of all of those moments of, um, you know, singing on a John Mellencamp record. Like, we, we ended up doing nine songs on one of his records as the vocals for his thing. It's, it's those kinds of moments that you get to share the stage with – people that you're just like i don't how i'm from summerton how did i how did i how am i standing up here on this stage with this person and those are the moments that i'm so grateful for and that you can't plan um that they just kind of work themselves out and happen and 
uh, it's you just walk away going, man, what a what an incredible blessing this has all been. We had a guy call our show probably a month or so ago. His name's Gary from Wisconsin. And Gary said that he had been to over 75 Little Big Town shows. Uh, I know I, Gary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw a picture that Gary had posted because he tagged because we were talking with him about it. And he said he'll drive five hours. His first show was in Las Vegas. I, I ask you this in a loving, <laughs> extremely <laughs> respectful way. Why would someone come to 75 Little Big Town shows? <laughs> <laughs> our fans are incredible it's a country music fan man they they buy in and and i think it's more than just the music they buy into who you are and or at least you know who they feel like you are you know the your story um and I think that's that's been the the big thing with that. But yeah, man, I I think about that too. I'm like, man, I have to. Sometimes I don't want to get up here either <laughs> just to do it. You know, you get tired or whatever. But man, what that's that's our fans. They are incredible. You guys have very pa- very passionate fans. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, the bandwagon tour, Miranda, Little Big Town, with special guest the Cadillac Three, uh, LittleBigTown.com. If you want to get tickets. Are you still enjoying playing shows? I mean, is it still there? Is it still is it bur- having a blast? I love it. When- um, I and I, I love all of it still, and I think that's something that um, I kind of look at all the time. Like when we're in the studio, like man, I still love this as much. I'm still as passionate about all the different parts of this business that we're in that I just I just love it I just I being out with Miranda there's nothing better than this tour right now um I think for all of us just showing up and the the friendship and you know it's like we're talking about hanging out at the pool at noon a lot of tours you go on it's not like that um but we have some really great friends and this has been a blast, and I absolutely can't wait to get up there and play. The uh, And we'll wrap with this, but the end, uh, I still think Little White Church, Church holds up with any song I ever. Song. I mean, I play it all the time. I don't know, like a dance party, and uh, it just feels good. It's upbeat. It's the end of that, which is probably my favorite thing that you guys do when you're all, it almost feels a bit... Uh, Doobie Brothers ish. I'm thinking about Boondocks. You're thinking That's about exactly. Boondocks. I, I'm, okay. I'm confused. I'm confused. Okay, yeah. I'm confused. No, no, I played no Little worries. White Church this morning. <laughs> yeah, the the vocal rounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. What is just your part by itself in the round <laughs> with nobody else? Go ahead. <laughs> Hard to because uh, Philip starts off the round and he goes, "You get a line." Okay, I'll do that for get, you. Okay, okay, you go. Then. You get a line. I get a pole. We'll go fishing in the cravat hole. Five cup poker on Saturday night. Church on Sunday morning. You get a line. Get a line I get a pole. I get a pole. We'll go fishing we'll go in the fish. crop. <laughs> okay. I come in on the you get a line. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I thought it'd be a little more dynamic than that. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> One part is never dynamic. <laughs> well, listen, it's. I thought about that. What if I just showed up? Sometimes some, somebody asked me to sing and I stepped up and I only sang the background vocals. Hilarious, and please record it because I, that's the content like, I like. They're like, "Hey, won't you play one of your songs at y'all?" And I only sing. The yeah, they're like, "Hey, Jimmy, stuff. do Girl Crush," and you're and like, I, I, I lay off the entire <laughs> verse, and then I'm taste her lips, taste like you. Wouldn't that be great? That would be TikTok viral for sure. Uh, follow Jimmy at Jimmy Westbrook on Instagram, J A M I, and at Little Big Town. And the new single, I don't say the name of the new single because I don't curse. So I will say, here's the song by Little Big Town, but I will never say the name of it. Hell yeah, man. So there you have it. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed you don't cuss. I haven't in I five or six years. Well, I didn't do it because I'm a good person. <laughs> I did it because writing, if I'm writing stand-up, I don't curse I'm a stand-up. Writing kids' books, writing, I don't. I won't allow myself yeah. to curse there. So I just said right. I don't need to use it all yeah. the time because I'll, cr- I'll crutch I, it. I think that's fantastic. I hear so much music right now that I'm like, there are a lot more words to choose. And I know we have some words in ours, but yeah, it's a crutch for some. 
I like some... to I like to hear it. I just don't like to say it. I, I, I like hearing it. I didn't well, hear a lot. Of I don't it. like to hear it because it pops up on my kids' playlist, and I'm like, bro, you can't be listening to that. <laughs> well, Jimmy, it's been a pleasure. Thank Good you very much you, for coming by. We just did basically an hour me. here, and I, you and I have just not been able to. T- you're the, no. by the way, it's the last piece. Last yeah, one. over the past five years, I know. Individually, you were the last I part I of the puzzle. I haven't to talk to you like this. I appreciate it. So, all right, Good well, talking to you, man. Uh, I got a bath running. We'll hop over. And <laughs> do some- all right, Jimmy Westbrook. We, uh, all right, bye, everybody. <laughs>